0: I'm just going to share something real quick with you tonight, and it's uh, earth-shattering to me. Not sure if you need your earth shattered in this way, um, but I do, and I have had it done in this way from something that the Lord has done in my life and shown me. So I want to start in the book of Daniel, and that may be the only place I really have you turn. The book of Daniel, chapter 11. There's a prophecy in Daniel 11, and I am not a Bible scholar, so I'm not going to get into all of it, but there's a prophecy that Daniel gives in Daniel 11 that's about two things, and it's about something that happened about 165 BC, so about 165 years before Jesus was even on the scene, and it was about something that happened then and also about something that has yet to happen in the world. Dealing with the Antichrist to come and all that kind of stuff, which I can't get into all that. But the history has already happened. And it's about Daniel 11 is about this guy that comes along. He's not named here, but in history, it's obvious to see who it was. And his name is Antiochus Epiphanes, right? Antiochus Epiphanes is what he wanted to be called. They called him a bunch of names, but that was the name he gave himself, right? Right? He was a seriously bad, bad, bad guy. And he was bad in a bad way, and he was also bad in a good way. Meaning, he was evil, but he was also just bad. You know what I mean? He was like a bad dude, all right? He had a huge army. He was Greek, had this giant army, and he's the guy, if you've seen like Lord of the Rings or any of those movies, you know how they have like those giant elephants with the tusks, and they're using elephants as like tanks. Antiochus Epiphanes invented that. He actually did that. They would take elephant skins, peel them off elephants. Sorry, PETA or whoever. They would take them off the elephants. They would let them harden, and then they would strap them to the front of other elephants. So they're like tanks, you know what I mean? And that was the Antiochus Epiphanes that in Daniel 11 was going to come in and besiege and destroy Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And he was gonna come in and be part of this thing that you've probably heard of in prophecy called the abomination of what? Desolation, right? He was gonna set himself up to be worshiped in the temple and all this kind of stuff. It's a nasty, horrible story, but there's a line in this story, in this prophecy that is so amazing to me. and I hope it is to you. It's in Daniel 11. All of this is described, everything this guy's gonna do. And then it says this. It says in verse uh, 31, Daniel eleven 31, we're jumping in literally in the very middle of this prophecy. I apologize. But Daniel 31 says that arms shall stand on his part. I have the old King James, sorry. Arms shall stand on his part, meaning he's gonna have a huge army. And they shall pollute the sanctuary, God's temple, And take away the sacrifice in God's temple. And they shall place the abomination that makes desolate. And all that do wickedly against him, he will corrupt with flatteries. He'll be really good with his tongue. And then listen to this. It says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do, this is cool in the King James, exploits. But the people that know their God will be strong and do just radical things, exploits. Now, when you read this, you go, okay, that's cool. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. But in history, it happened. In history, in 168, when they started this siege, BC, there's this guy named Judas Maccabees. Have you heard of him? His family name was the Hammer. That's what they called this guy. He was a priest. He got all the rest of these priests together. And they're like, that guy with his 120,000 people is going to besiege Jerusalem with elephants and spears and bows and arrows and swords and all that. And we 7,000 people led by priests are not having any of it because we know God. That's why we're going to do it. So, this guy, Judas, he leads this rebellion against this. They're literally, I mean, the history books are full of these stories. It's so amazing. They're like, you know, they're suspending ropes across passageways so the elephants are, you know, falling over backwards. They're jumping off buildings with little daggers, you know, jumping onto soldiers. I mean, the stuff that these people did is amazing. And then you read down, you're like, the people that know their God are going to do exploits like amazing things so here's the question for me do you know your God because here's my problem and I know it's yours and I hope you can understand this I hope I can explain it from my perspective I know Francis Chan's God I think I know John Mark Comer's God I think I know Heverly's God for sure uh, I know the God of the blogs that you or I may read. I know the God of John Micah. Now, I do know the God of John Micah personally, as you probably do, but I also know the God that Cutlass sings about on the radio. I know the God of Caleb. I know the God of you know, our culture of Western civilization, but I don't know if that's... I'm not sure if that's this God from Daniel chapter 11. Because these guys are like, yeah, we, we know God. So 7,000 of us are going to stand, and we're going to stand here in this city. And 120,000 aren't going to be able to take it over. That's incredible. This, by the way, is that whole story, which I think you know of, the Maccabean whole thing. This is where Hanukkah comes from, right? So in 125 BC, there's enough oil in the temple For one day for the lights to burn. The light has never gone out. The lamps have never gone out in the temple. There's enough oil in the lamp for one day. And these guys are out fighting Antiochus and his elephants, all right? And 120,000 people, and the light burns not for one, two, three, four days, but for eight days. They're in the temple, and that's where the whole Hanukkah, dreidel, dreidel, whatever, all that stuff comes from, right? That's as much of it as I understand, okay? But that's incredible. So do you know God? Now, I know I'm speaking to the right crowd because you're here on a Wednesday night. It's 98 degrees. The air quality is horrible. You can't even find the college in the smoke. And you're here. You're like, we got it. Like, Yes, we do. That's why we're here. Okay? But my problem is, is I get shaped by the here and now by culture, by the world's culture, and also Christian culture, which is not always God. Or I might sit down with somebody who is amazing. I've sat with multiple people today and had multiple conversations. It's one of the amazing perks of this job, working for the church. I talked to five different people today for long sets of time, and the whole time it was about who? God, which is incredible but I can walk away from that and I can take whatever you've got. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I talked to Dan. So his perspective is, this is how God is, this is what we got to do today. This is who God is. And then I hook up with Chad and he's like, oh, this is what God's doing today. This is who God. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that. All right. And then by the end of the day, I'm just mimicking everybody else that I've heard of. And so I go, man, I just need to get with the Lord. And I go home and I put on my headphones and I listen to a Bible, what? teaching where somebody else explains something about god right and i don't think that's what was happening with these people they wouldn't have fought like this let me give you an example of this see if this fits in your box okay many years ago now many years ago i was traveling in the country of jordan all right so you go to Israel, and you keep heading east, and you get to the country of Jordan. And I was in the country of Jordan on a couple of buses with a group of people that we were taking in to, that, to see that city called Petra, right, which is an incredible place. We're driving through Jordan, and we're out in the middle of the desert in Jordan, and it is, if you're in the middle of the desert in Jordan, you are just in the middle of the desert, right? It's where a chunk of the Old Testament takes place, okay? So if you look every direction, there's nothing but sand. So we were driving along, and we pulled up to a gas station and, quote, gift shop, right? You know, kind of out in the middle there. You've seen this if you've traveled. You go to a gas station, and they sell T-shirts, and they sell whatever, shot glasses and everything else, you know? So we stopped at this shop, and I was on the first bus in the line. And we stopped, and all of our people got off, and our guide, who is a friend of mine, he's a Jew, okay? But he's a Jesus guy. He believes in the Savior, all right, a Messianic Jew. And he's just a full Jew, like this tall, big nose, like, oh, I'll rip you in half, like that guy, okay, like an awesome guy. And you're just like, that's why you guys never lose battles, like that guy right there. So he's that guy, right? So he gets off the bus, and these two Jordanian, these big Arab guys, come walking out of the gas station gift shop. Steve kind of looks at him. He kind of nods at him. They nod at him, and he goes off this way, and he kind of looks towards me, and they come right up to me. And one of them, as he comes up to me, he just reaches up like this, and he grabs my arm, my elbow. And I'm a big guy, like even here. And in Israel, I'm a really big guy. It's kind of fun. You're like, yeah, you know, walking around. But these guys in Jordan, these, these were my size, but bigger, all right, these were big boys, all right? And so this guy grabs my arm kind of by the elbow, and he just goes, you, come, come, come. And I'm like, oh, okay, and I start walking with him. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm beheaded right now because this is probably 2003, maybe, 2004. So 9-11 has just happened. Everybody's all heightened. Everybody's all, don't go to Jordan, don't go to Saudi Arabia, all this stuff. So this guy grabs my arm, and he says, come, come. And, he, and his other cohort has disappeared. I don't see him anymore. And all of our people are still there, a couple of huge buses full of people. And he takes me into this gas station, and then he grabs my arm a little tighter, and he says, come. And we go right through the station, past all the gift stuff, and we go right into uh, kind of a house, you know, like a little home area that they lived in behind it. And I walk in, and something smells just nasty. And so I walk past that, through the kitchen area, and there was a, um, you know, like a door with little glass beads, you know, hanging down. So he, he wishes me through there, and his grip just gets tighter. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know what's going to happen here. Like, I, I'm starting to feel like I am out of my element. I'm starting to really want to be home and the mean streets of Portland, you know, where well everybody here's liberal. It's just so scary. You know what I mean? Like, I was wanting that, you know? I was just like, I want to be back there, okay? And so I was getting nervous, and then he grabs me, and he keeps saying, you come, you come, you come. And I'm like, I don't have much choice unless I start fighting. And so he grabs me, and we get through there. We turn, and there's a little doorway and a set of stairs that go way down, okay? Yeah. Way down. And so I turn and I start to go down the stairs and I'm like, okay, my dad taught me how to fight. Is this, is this the time? Like, what do I do? You know, do I turn around? Okay, hold on. All right, here we go. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know what to do. So I go down the stairs. He starts pushing me down the stairs, middle of the back, just his hand right in the middle of my back. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm almost done like three, two, one, get to the bottom of the stairs. I walk through a door into a room about maybe the size of this that I'm pointing out here, very small room. It's all dark, can't see in there. He reaches in, turns the light on, and it's just one bulb. Yeah, right, you're thinking the same things I am. There's one bulb in this room. And when, I, when the light comes on, I turn, and the other big guy is standing there. That was up at the bus. I'm like, well, there's the other guy now. That makes sense. (laughs) So fighting is now out and just screaming is probably my option, right? So I don't say a word, and I just look at the guy, and the biggest guy, the guy that was pushing me down the stairs and leading me, you come, he turns me around and he grabs a hold of my shoulders, and he just looks at me. And then he did one of the craziest things I've ever experienced in my life in multiple ways, He just kisses me straight on the mouth. He just goes, and then he and the other guy, who I found out is brother, start going like this, and he's got my shoulders. He goes, brother, brother, we too are servants of Jesus, son of Mary. (laughs) These two guys are jumping around, yeah, and I'm just. (laughs) Praise God from, I don't even, what? I thought I was going to be beheaded. I thought these guys were on the other side of the earth, evil men. Oh, they're trying to kill. These guys purposefully, purposefully talked to Steve, our guide. Steve had worked with me by this time for a couple of years and had even been with, stayed with Jen and I in, in Newburgh, Oregon at our home. So they vetted me through this guy, Steve, that they trusted They're Arabs. He's a what? Jew. And they're like, who, who can we trust? How, how can we have fellowship with somebody? He's like, well, this guy, I don't know if he's trustworthy, but he's not real, so you're fine, okay? You know, or whatever. He's gonna be okay. So he, they, get, they wait for my bus. They single me out. They bring me downstairs to this safe room, and they start just weeping, jumping up and down, hugging me, Just going, we're we're with you. Like, we're servants of Jesus, the son of Mary. Amazing, right? doesn't fit in my box. It doesn't. Like, what do you guys do for church? Church? What are you talking about? Church. What do you mean? There's no Bible studies. There's no Wednesday night Bible study. There's no Caleb. There's none of that. (laughs) There isn't. There's none of it. None of that exists. There's no fellowship with anybody except one another down in the basement. The people upstairs don't know. They don't know. And these guys are full-on brothers of you and I. The God who is in you is in them. Like, completely. There's no difference. Once I got over the fear and shock of, of, this, of the situation, which really only took a couple of seconds, honestly, it was like, I was just like hanging out with one of you guys. It was incredible. We're just talking and loving and just like, all right, you know, and I'm trying to like figure out the handshake. You know, it's different, but it's the, it's the same. So that doesn't fit for me here, does it? Or for you? Like, I'm like, well, wait a minute, so what do they do? You left them, and now what are they doing? Well, I like think they're pumping gas and going down and praising God. Do they have Bibles? I'm not sure. Steve said he tried to get some to them, but he's not sure if they're able to take them out and use them. Well, are they gathering with a fellowship? They've got at least once a week in church, right? I don't, I don't think so. No, nope. but man, they belong to the most high God because of his son, Jesus. And it's crazy. So what I wonder is what they're doing, that's exploits to me. (laughs) God is radical in their life because in their case, now I don't want to switch places with them. Please do not misunderstand me. I want to Finish up with everything we're doing here. Go home with my wife, Jennifer, and just be like, I'm proud to be an American. I want to do that. (laughs) Do not misunderstand anything I'm saying. But one advantage they have, like Judas Maccabees, is that they're like, they don't get filtered with a bunch of other stuff. They're like, no, we know God. And Jesus Christ is more powerful than Allah, the false God. We know that. We've stepped out in faith, we've invited him in, and we know that he's in us by faith, and we trust in him. So we're gonna step forward and trust an American, a filthy, rich, scumbag American, who's leading tours of people through our country. I mean, you can't get more American than me, right? It's me on that trip and Brett Metter. And I don't know if you know Brett Metter, but he's more American than I am, all right? I mean, Brett's like, well, these people have towels on their heads. That's the kind of guy Brett was <laughs> when you're over there with him. I'm not joking. <laughs> so, I mean, he trusts us to just be like, oh, these guys are our brothers. So here's my question for you. And I wanna read something to you. It is I wanna challenge you tonight, right now, for just the next couple of minutes, I want to read only who God says he is. I just want to take a step back for a second and read who God says he is. And I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to explain it. Nothing. And then I want to challenge you in just a minute. So Colossians chapter 1 says this. He is of Jesus Christ, Colossians 1. You can open your Bibles if you want. I would get, I would just listen and read it later. Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are on the earth, whether they are visible or invisible, whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things are held together. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, That in all things he will have the first place. For it pleased the Father that in him should all his fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things to himself. Whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you. You were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, but now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through his death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Revelation chapter one, behold, he comes with the clouds and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. I am the Almighty. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And being turned, I saw seven candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one who looked like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about his chest with a golden girdle. His head and hair were white as wool, white like snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. And his feet were like fine brass as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, and he said to me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead, and behold... I am alive forever, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Revelation chapter 19, And I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon it was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a garment dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies that were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in white linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth, goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Daniel Levin says the people that know their God will do exploits. And my God gets filtered and tarnished just by the world. So does yours. I know it. So I have a challenge for you. And I am not anti-radio, internet, TV, whatever. Oh, yes, I am. But... I do have a challenge for you, and that is this. I I challenge you. You have exploits to do, and it's not fighting elephants and Antiochus Epiphanes, but you, you might be a dad in here, and man, you've got mighty things to do. You're a husband in here. You have mighty things to do, and they're not things that anybody else sees but your wife. They're not things that anyone else might know, but your children. If you're a wife in here, and the exploits that are needed, that can be done. If you're a grandfather, a grandmother, a granddaughter, a grandson, if you're an employee, an employer, a leader, a follower, a disciple, or a disciple, there's so many exploits that don't make the book. You know, it's crazy about that Judas Maccabees and all them. They're not in here. If you have the Catholic Bible, they are. But they're not in here. It's, it's them going, we, we know God. I'm going to do something incredibly hard. And incredibly hard for you and I is different. I might try to convince you what it is tonight, but it'll be wrong because it'll be my hard, not yours. I want to challenge you too for a period of as long as you can set forth. Maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's a month. I challenge you to say, I'm only going to look at God. I'm not even going to go back and re-listen to this message to find out how to I'm not going to listen to anything. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to have fellowship with people, but I'm not going to listen to podcasts. I'm not going to read a book. I'm not going to, I am just going to sit with my Bible. I'm going to talk to that God who I just read about. That's the God that doesn't fit in a box, does he? The one I just read about, there's no box for him. That, that's power, and might, and glory, and love, and sacrifice, and exploits. I challenge you to take a break from anything that isn't just directly from his word. Directly to you. Not through me, not through anybody else, just directly to you, except for when we gather. When we gather corporately, when you're in your, you know, your home groups, when we're gathered here. That's a different thing. But when you say, I want to I communicate with him, I want to know my God. Don't know my God. He's the same God, but not through me. Know your God directly from him, through his son, Jesus Christ, who lives in you. The God that we just read those passages of, this is what's amazing. You know what Judas Maccabees didn't have? He didn't have that God living in him. He trusted him. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit could come upon him, but Jesus hadn't come yet. He could not live within him, couldn't do it. You and I have that God within us, totally, like completely within us. That's incredible. Now, part of what you hear in my voice is that twofold. One, I love kids. And one of the things I love about kids is that's their God. Right there. That's their God. Every story we tell them, they're like, yep, that just happened. Right here in this room, oh my goodness, you guys should come. You know, you shouldn't, there's no room for you. But on Sundays you got to come in this room sometime. It's so fun. Where you're sitting are all of your kids. Uh, kindergarten and up. We put them all in here. Justin has a bunch of games up here, magic tricks. It's incredible. It's really fun. I sing a bunch of goofy songs, and then we tell them stories. And the stories we tell are the stories of the Bible. I have to tell you this because this is, this is what children have, and you got to be like a child, Jesus said. I was telling a story last, this, last Sunday about Jesus was asleep in the boat, right, during a storm. And then the disciples are freaked out. We're all going to die. Remember that story? Jesus stands up, peace, be still. And it goes still, right? So we play it up. It's high drama and all that kind of stuff. So then I go from there into the story where the disciples are going across the lake, same lake, and another storm comes up, and they start looking around, and Jesus isn't in the boat, right? And the disciples did the same thing. They're toiling, they're freaking out, they're screaming. And I play it all up. It's this huge drama. The waves are big and everything. And I said, and they look out, and this is 10 minutes into the story. And I said, and they see a guy walking on top of the water. And this kid sitting right there, who's never been here, but two times. It was his second time here. I'm telling the story. We're doing the whole thing. He stands up. I'm like, there's a guy walking on the water. He stands up, and he goes like this. He looks around at all the rest of the kids. He goes, it's got to be Jesus, like that, right? Isn't that amazing? He's like, it has to be. There's, there's nobody else that could do that. There's no way, right? So <laughs> I, that's Judas, Maccabees. He's like, yeah, That's God, I've got like a, a, you know, a scroll in this hand and a nail in this hand. Bring on the elephants, let's go, right? Because I know him. Now, so that's one of my pleas is actually for the young people because that kid, that kid has no filter. That kid's like, Jesus is awesome, stop, period. (laughs) He's awesome. There isn't anything. Have you heard the stories he would tell you? I mean, you got to hear about the stuff he does. Little girl, arise, walking across water, whatever he does. People touch him when he doesn't even know it. They're like, I'm healed, right? All of these things, and your kids, our kids are going, yep. And then we go, yes, but uh, theologically, it um, could have been a number of people. Uh, they believed it was a ghost in those days, and the reason they did that, and the kids are just like, <laughs> right? So let's not please filter it. You don't have to filter. People ask me, why are you a kids' pastor instead of a regular pastor? I'm like, because kids' pastors, all you have to do is read the story. It's the best storybook in the world, it's the greatest stories in the world. You read the story, you don't change it an ounce, and the kids go, it's got to be Jesus, right? You guys, I'd have to come up with a bunch of stuff week after week, and I just, I can't do that. I don't know how, right? I just, I just read the story, okay? And I put a bunch of funny voices to it, and you wouldn't like that, so it's, it's better for me, all right? I'm not sure if it's better for them. It's better for me. But your kids, that's number one, our grandkids, your children, the kids of our community, It'd just be so awesome if our kids grow up going, no, that's our God. We can do mighty things. We can do whatever, whatever needs to be done because we, we actually know God can do it. And there's not older, awesome, mature people who we love and look up to telling us he can't do that because that's what the Pharisees said all the time. Remember that? son, I see the faith of your four friends that just lowered you through the roof. They're on the floor. Your sins are forgiven because of their faith. Pharisees said what? Actually, you can't do that. Do I need to read those passages again about Jesus? He can do it, can't he? (laughs) Yeah, you can do it. He can. So that's my first plea. Second plea, and I'm going too long. Second plea is this, that I like you, am in church. And I have been for a lot of years now. I actually can't do the math in my head, but somewhere around 19, I was saved. And I've been in the church a long time. And I have done things. I've done cool kids' things. I've done youth trips. I've done whatever, you know, things. I've done things that I thought were mighty, And maybe some of them were. But only in the last couple years, after 25, 26 years of doing, have I really just stripped down and just gone, whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. (laughs) And I missed exploits, especially in my family and especially in the things that are the hard things to do, like you're all facing, like we face all the time. I mean, I wasn't absent from it, but I, I wasn't Judas Maccabees, certainly. And so too with you. It gets filtered. I go to this church, so this is the kind of things I do. Or I'm in this kid's ministry, so this is the kind of things we do. This is how we do it. And what I want to do is I want to know God and just go, whatever exploits you got, I'm I'm in. And that might be something with kids. Now I have the joy of, yeah, it's Sunday mornings, and all I want is some kid to shout something like that. That's my exploit. I'm like, yes, that's so cool. I didn't take down any elephants or Greek you know, warriors, but... Some kids shouted, it's got to be Jesus, and that was good enough for me. Yeah. But also now, I can, I can go, man, there's other hard stuff that I can do. And I'm not going to be the father that you are. And I'm not going to be the husband that you are. But I'm going to be the one that that direct God, through his son Jesus Christ, tells me that I'm going to be. And I'm not going to look out over this room and go, well, generally speaking... My exploits are better than maybe 40% of them. So that's pretty good for now, right? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go, I'm just, it's me and God and his son Jesus spirit working in me. I'm just going to see what happens. So I want to challenge you to just maybe take other voices out of whatever equation that is in your walk with him, in your relationship with him. And, And I'm not... Please don't misunderstand me. Those aren't evil voices. They're good ones. But but to just say, if that passage, if those passages, if if they stirred you, then that's probably better. If they didn't, then put everything else down because <laughs> that's who he is. That That's who he is. And just take that in. Listen to him. Talk to him. Take it in. So in a minute here, we're going to we're going to have communion with one another and the beauty of communion is that that god of that power and that might and that incredible really fearsome to me strength is available and not only is he available we don't even approach we don't even approach fearfully, saying, I hope this works. Maybe my exploits have been mighty enough. He doesn't care about your exploits. He goes, my exploits were rad, and yours don't matter. I've cleansed you. I've done the radical work of the cross, and now you can just come. And now, because I'm so mighty, I can do mighty things through you. I can work out by my blood, all of your mental problems. I can work out by my spirit any of your physical problems that I want to take out of the way. I can do all that work, God would say, in your life now because of the blood of the cross. That's insane. It's amazing. And that's who I want you, that's who I wanna meet and be with.